Hello, and welcome to Art Rebound, the podcast exploring stories of resilience from the creative frontline. I'm Susan Maddox, artist, designer, and your host, as we get into the lives and careers of incredible artists. We'll be taking inspiration from the inevitable ups and downs of their journeys and the ways in which they nurture their own creative resilience. I hope these stories will inspire you and maybe even help you on your own creative path. Let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm talking to Brandy Hofer. She's a Canadian artist, and her big shift has been to go from just doing portraits in her amazing signature style to creating artwork with her small children. She's written a book. She's an educator, mentor, and now she's doing giant murals as well. Her incredibly generous spirit makes her really, really good at creating community, and I was very inspired by this whole conversation and thought about it a lot afterward. I think you really enjoy it too. So here we go. Hi, Brandy. Hi. <laughs> um, so we have Brandy here. And so what I'd love to talk about first is about how you transitioned your career from, I believe you're working just as a studio artist, and now you have this incredibly varied, um, multi-passionate career. So I want to hear all about all of that. And I would love to know how you went from one thing to the other. How did you mm -hmm. make that change? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I like when you come out of art school, I actually posted on Instagram about this. <laughs> when I came out of art school, I was just like, oh, I'll just be an artist. I'll sell art and that will work. <sighs> You know, it was kind of disappointing, to be honest, because um, in so I was in a college and a university and my in uh, in Red Deer, Alberta, in okay. Canada, mm -hmm. uh, it was a small college and they kind of let us do whatever the fuck we wanted. And it was amazing. Right. Uh -huh. uh, and we so Susan, and I actually recorded Susan's part of my podcast before this, and I heard about her experience in San Francisco, and it sounded very similar that you had the freedom to, you know, uh, fool around and meet really good people. And, and I still actually I was talking to one of those women that I went to school with yesterday, even like, so these are people I still connect with today. And then I transferred to a university on the very east coast of Canada. Okay. And um, it was a very different experience um in terms of freedom <laughs> oh okay and yeah so it was it was like it was cool and it was an experience living away from home mm -hmm. um and but this was a time before social media right. so high five just came out which I, you'll only remember if you were in the like transition of like one phase so i was in university when like uh, Mark Zuckerberg was inventing Facebook mm -hmm. at the same time. Like it just came out. And if you watch the social network, the movie about his life, like, and I'm sure it's somewhat accurate, but he did have like, when he started, I remember he friended everyone. He was like, hi, I'm Mark. And I, <laughs> I'm the founder of Facebook. How and funny. so he, it automatically sends you a friend request. Mm -hmm. So the, the power of social media was just like beginning from like a social network. And then later on, whatever, five years later, it 
turned it not even like maybe three it turned into more like a business sector like and it did work i could mm-hmm. when i came out of university honestly i sell, sold so many paintings off of facebook oh my goodness uh, it was so like i would just be like oh look what i made last night uh-huh. and then it would just be gone it was it was the best and it was hard it was a hard transition when they started like charting and stuff and whatever and then when they like made it not like a free share for mm-hmm. all um it was really rough because like you would put one painting up and it'd get like ten thousand likes and it would be insane and uh so it was like a confusing i i'm not mad at the algorithm Uh it was when they invented the algorithm so i remember all those things Uh but in art school like they didn't teach us anything about what we were prepared for what we were to prepare for other than building a cv and like artist show collections and galleries and you have your grad show so it wasn't like oh by the way you to live you need to make money and you can't just do that by selling a couple paintings every month i'm sorry did you feel like you were given the message that it was even possible to be an artist and sustain yourself no there was no there was no (laughs) there wasn't even a conversation of Uh what are you gonna do after you get out of here Mm -hmm. yeah we're just making paintings and still in university like Mm -hmm. it was just it was very technically based on like materials and i'm like i know that i want to paint portraiture and i have already learned like we learned about oil paint and acrylics and color mixing in fundamentals. Like, I don't want to learn about that anymore. Um, and now looking back on it, like, and they might do this now in art school. I'm not sure. It was very competitive and there was no talk of business or setting up your career or what that looked like at all. Like Hmm. none, it was all learning through experience and like blindly walking into galleries and like it was all um you know and and those were good experiences to have um and they're experiences that i can share with others and share my knowledge and help them too especially in like mentorship or classes and however it was it was though it takes a long time to learn lessons it really does. And yeah, I, I was actually curious about whether you had learned more. And I mean, when I went to art school, there was absolutely no talk of anything afterward. And it was basically like, you will never make a living at this and just expect to be poor. And, you know, there you go. Starving artists. <laughs> and, like, is- and that's the only honorable thing to do is to, you know, and so. So okay. competitive. And so that, right. you know, starving artists sort of. hmm sort of thing like i hated i hated the competitiveness and i think uh that was one of the things that ultimately led to you know where i am and what i'm doing today um and and um so i did that for like almost 15 years i would say like i i was selling paintings right out of art school I was selling paintings out of high school. I sold paintings through art school and and beyond. Um, and but like cheaply, mm-hmm. you know, especially when I moved back from the East Coast, I was uh-huh. like fifty dollars for like something I charged ten thousand for today. And uh-huh. so it was like a huge I mean, those people are I hope they kept them. <laughs> I'm sure they did, Brandy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So um, but you know, you're moving home and you're flying. So 
Uh, oh yeah, I the just, number of paintings that I've thrown away. You know, know, then you see someone like carrying it home. You know, yeah, yeah. Someone like picks it up by the dumpster, takes it home. I don't know like, who this was by, but it's great. <laughs> Enjoy um, that. Yeah. So it was just like learning, and and so a long time. Uh, and still today, I'm represented by galleries, of course, and um, some art collecting networks and online galleries. And someone had messaged me about this the other day because I had sold a piece on Saatchi. And she's like, what do you think about Saatchi? Mm-hmm. And what do you think about um, uh, or what's your advice on that? And I, was, I mm-hmm. honestly just told her because I think it's so important to be honest to other artists about your experiences. Not that theirs will be the same as yours, mm-hmm. but I feel like passing on knowledge and is so important and mm-hmm. being totally honest and not like I'm making it work and I'm, you know, this is what I do and it can work for you too, because that's not true. Right. Um, and so I was like, put get your art into as many places as possible that's my best advice and sometimes it will sell here and sometimes it will sell there and the reason why i stopped doing that sporadic make physical art and then selling it was because it wasn't it worked but i was totally completely burnt out i was also in the throes of motherhood so and providing for my family. So having babies, we also lost our parents at the same time as having our babies. So like grieving and processing grief oh my goodness. Yeah. and all also clinging to like my, my practice and my time and, mm-hmm. and me as a woman, uh, like I, and art was a way for me to hold on to all of that um, mm-hmm. and express what I was going through. So I feel like that just act of creating, if I could even just show up for that at those points in my life, that's mm-hmm. an incredible accomplishment anyway. Um, sure, yeah. Financially, however, uh, <laughs> you know, you can only go through so many years of making a physical item and selling it. It's not sustainable. Mm. Um, In my experience, not saying it doesn't work. I know many artists who that does work for Mm -hmm. Um, not a ton, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. a few. And so I actually, uh, what year would it have been Uh, like 2018 or 2019 right before the world shut down there for a minute. Um, my, my art consultant, uh, she said, I stop applying to get into galleries. She's like, you're already in three. Just let's focus on your website and your custom artwork. Uh, cause it seems to be, she's like, that's picking up and that's a good income stream. And I was like, okay. So, and she's like, think about like theming your collections seasonally. And like, she's like, do a summer collection or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I took that advice and I'm super type A and my prices were what they were. So then I put this advice into practice. Mm-hmm. And then that year I didn't realize what I was doing. I did a hot, over 130 original pieces, custom and original, like mm-hmm. making collections and doing custom artwork. And by the time Christmas hit, December 24th, Christmas Eve, I was still doing orders and um, like not spending time with my family. So you got and, really overwhelmed by oh my gosh, custom orders. Completely uh-huh. burnt Where were you out. getting the orders from? online and locally like a lot Uh of local um 
just some from like I had some really big um, the bird's papaya. She's like a really big body image person in Cam- Canada, like with she had like one point three million followers at the time. Um, and so I made a piece for her with her newborn baby and um, Jillian Harris, too. So Nicole Landry and Jillian Harris and and just like you know, so outside people and local people. And of course, when you and Sarah Baumler, I had from HGTV, um, they have Island of uh, Brian or Island. It's called a whole, they built an Island or they, (laughs) they built homes. And then they all of a sudden bought like uh, a resort on an Island and fixed it up. Uh So it was just like, you know, and when people they're like, oh, that's really cool. I want one. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh-huh. Still to this day, this year, I was someone's like, I want one like Sarah's. So uh-huh. a designer from Texas. Um, so I was caught up in this, like, make something, make money, make something, mm-hmm. make money, make mm-hmm. something, make money. And it completely sucked the joy and the magic. I wouldn't take it back because custom artwork is a really great way to grow a collector base. Mm-hmm. However, you need to charge. <laughs> yeah. Were you okay? Maybe you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> I realized. So the next year I realized, so I, it was the most I had ever made as a creative. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, but it wasn't quite enough to be mm-hmm. like, that was worth that work because it wasn't, yeah. it yeah. wasn't. And then the next year I, I increased those prices. So there's a lesson here for people. Sure. I increased those prices. Cause you know, the, the gift of see, learning your lesson and living it. And so I was doing about half the amount of orders, mm-hmm. but making the same financially mm-hmm. because you can do that when it's in demand um, to oh, that degree. Yeah. And now I like, I take very few custom orders and, and bigger, bigger clients. And, uh, and that has worked. And then it's mm-hmm. joyful. I don't want to do anything that I feel obligated. We all have obligations, but I never want to feel like I don't want to do this at all. Like sometimes that goes with work. You're like, Oh, I have to be somewhere at some time. But when you're there, you're like, ah, this is great. Like sometimes even podcasting, I'm like, Oh, okay. Another one. (laughs) Then then you meet the person and there's this Mm -hmm. chemistry and you learn something from the conversation and that's exciting. Well, I think that's a really interesting point that I was thinking about earlier is that, you know, I, my experience is that you actually, if you pay attention to what you like to do, right. And you pay attention to what's exciting and you, move towards those things and you do those things and you make those things a priority, then you actually get to craft the practice that you actually want to have. And that was a real revelation for me that came fairly recently (laughs) that that's, that that's a thing that you can do. Like if you hate doing it, you can actually not do that or get someone else to do it or something, you know, and then do something that you actually love doing. So I just think it's an interesting point that anyone can do that. It's a very interesting point because I never realized that that was really an option. And I think it's really important to put that out there. <laughs> like you get it's to a have more, a it's a more yeah. authentic path for you in this life. Exactly. And I always say time is our most precious commodity. Like I truly, mm-hmm. I truly believe it. Uh, I have this great qu- quote. It's the greatest gift you can give yourself is to find something you're naturally adept at 
and find out a way to make a living at it. Because if you do that, every day will be a play day. You're never battling upstream because you love what you do. And if you love what you do, why do you want to stop doing it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so I love that because mm-hmm. every day does feel like a play day. <laughs> um, so who says that is Judas Susan Bloom. Uh-huh. Um, Judge Judy. It's Judge Judy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, it's so great. I love that because she's just like a badass woman. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that lesson and that burnout, actually, I didn't want to paint anymore. That's how mm-hmm. extreme it was. Okay. And I was painting because that's how I was maintaining my practice and my income. And that's, uh, as a stay at home parent, how I was paying for the food for us. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. like a real life situation (laughs) there wasn't just like, Oh, (laughs) it was like, that's how I provided for my family. So I, I couldn't like just stop, but, um, so I kept, um, creating, to an extent. And I actually created work that my son, basically my second son. So I did a collection with my first son and I did a collection with my second son. Um, because I always wanted to do what I wanted to do on top of custom artwork. Mm -hmm. And my second son is such an artist that this series was a complete, like, so different from what I would have ever made alone. It was completely abstract. Um, and then we made it and I was like, how can I even present these? Like, uh, and unfortunately it was during the pandemic. So we couldn't even exhibit and they need to be seen. So I'm just waiting for the day where I can hang these up. So I can't wait to see them. Yeah. Yeah. It'll Uh happen. It'll Uh happen. They're just, they're big. And so I would stare at them and I'm like, what can I do? And I was like, why don't we cut them up? Mm-hmm. And hey. then we made them into geometric, huge geometric puzzle pieces. Oh my God. Framed in wooden, like they come off the wall that far. Mm-hmm. Framed in these hand-built wooden frames. So the carpenter at we have a wood supply store business so the carpenter like was like i've never made anything like this because like they weren't straight corners right they were all weird different shapes oh, and he had to okay. build a frame around oh, them i see i see cool uh-huh. yeah and then they're covered in epoxy you can mm-hmm. see it on my website brandyhofer.ca it's a geometrics collection and so lots of like black bold mark making and then the stuff my other sons made it's funny because you can tell which son made what and and then of course I added elements and then made it very presentable but I just see it in like corporate spaces or like a big white gallery space or like I of course made it look like they went places on on art placer but um they're so, but you have to see them in real life because they have that thick coat of epoxy on them and they're right. just like mm. so vibrant and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I let them title them and they're like called Toad and Bowser <laughs> and Party, Party, Party. They wanted to Funny. name it Party, 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 Party Till We Die. And I was uh-huh. like, I'm just going to leave it at Party, Party, Party <laughs> if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> and star wars cupcake confetti like it was just super random and fun Uh and that's again what art should be but so i was continually making that uh alongside but at that time where i was creating with finn i wrote a book Mm 
Um, okay, so how yeah, I wrote a book. did you decide to write a book? Because uh, many people have thought about writing a book, myself included. And yeah, I would love to hear all about that. Like, how did you decide that this was worth your time, you know? And like, what did you want to get out of it? Did you get help? How long did it take? So yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was in the throes of motherhood and painting, standing on the street. And I talk about it in my book, which is funny. Um, it's, in, it's in the chapter called Jealousy's Not a Bad Word. Um, and my neighbor, Jeff, across the street, uh, was featured in our local paper and it's like local author featured by Forbes. And, and um, so his book was featured by Forbes and it's called clone yourself. It's like a business management book and it's really great. I loved it. And, but I didn't read it yet at that point. I was just uh -huh. like standing there. I was like, why can <laughs> Jeff write a book? I didn't even know Jeff was a writer. Uh -huh. um, and then I was just like, why am I jealous of Jeff? I'm like, I'm a mother artist right now. Like I'm just, just here's my kids and, and painting basically and, and doing prints and whatever. That's what my business was and custom artwork. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, whatever. And, and it was just like an afterthought. And then a year later I was in a massage and you know, when you quiet your mind, things come to you. So I was like, oh, I have a title of my book. And I was, I was like naked and I was like, I just stopped her and I sat up and I was like, I just have to take this voice note down. It's going to sound really weird just by the way. So it was like, see your everyday ordinary as extraordinary. And of course, like color me happy because that's what my podcast is and, and my community color me happy community and, and podcast. And so then it's see your everyday ordinary extraordinary as extraordinary. So taking these experiences of like so much joy and loss and, and um, I was really delving into self-help after that burnout, like mm -hmm. really hard and money mindset. Like why am I working so hard, but financially coming up? not so great right over mm -hmm. and over and over again like there's something rooted there for me right, right. there's something that's causing because uh, like anyway so it, like mm -hmm. growth and mindset and and uh just so much had to happen and joining different art communities and expansion and instead of like scarcity learn like believing in abundance and that there's room for us all like it took me a while right well and brandy how did you how did you like come to these conclusions that you needed to learn about this like how did that even really become apparent so and did I, you get help is my other question yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i um joined the art queens it's run by it was founded by Ekaterina popova and elisa alicia puig from they started create magazine and um it's just a great group of female creatives right. who uh -huh. believe in those things mm -hmm. and, and put them into practice. But they came to that out of having so many bad experiences in the art world and coming up with that whole c competition thing again. Uh -huh. So finally I had met these other women who wanted to collaborate. Fantastic. And yeah. I just remember seeing some of the things they were. And I was, and I made a point, I was like, I, I need to, figure out more about these women uh -huh. and then eventually 
like after that thought, Cat uh, started the membership in the community, uh-huh. and um, and it just like went from there. And I was pregnant, waddling around with my third on the street, and I had Jen Sincero's you're a badass at making money and I was hiding it like if someone walked up to me I'd like fold it down you know like a shame that I was reading a book about making money um way to go like mm-hmm. I, and she even talks about that in the book like you might be hiding this book away from people but oh you know so right. and it, it's not about the money and she sure. said and these words always stick in my head it's about who you had to become uh-huh. uh-huh right to attract it's like a law of attraction and that's one element to so so many mm-hmm. um but after that moment in the massage and coming back to the book it was just taking like obviously all the content i had and knowledge that i had accumulated um and life experiences and putting those stories into practice and it was creating a book that i needed to read at that moment in my life because the world felt like it was on fire Uh so like how do we come down how do we center ourselves how do we take care of ourselves because at this moment that is everyone's number one priority is like and you talked about it in our podcast which will go on my color me happy if you're not thriving in your like foundation of who you are like if if like you went through a, a separation and if you're not thriving right there and you can't you don't feel good, you know, and there's so many things that I go into that in the book, then you can't have relationships, you can't have connection and then you can't thrive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like when that's when your home base is on fire, the yeah. rest of your life's not going to you. It takes a long time to, you know, figure those things out and. Um, so putting those into words and it's funny because eventually I ran into Jeff on the street and he was like, so into his, um, like book course and coaching and how well his book was doing my little, it was by this time I had my third baby, Teddy, and he was riding around on his little strider bike at, at like one and a half (laughs) shouldn't have been on a strider bike, but he picked it up. And so he's like riding around in front of Jeff's house and Jeff just starts spilling out all this information Hmm. about what he knew about Uh self-publishing. And then I'm about to walk away. And he said, don't try to write your book all at once in like four hours because it won't happen because he has three kids too. (laughs) And I kind of knew this because that's how I was painting for 15 years, right? Tiny windows of time. Hmm. He's like 15 minutes a day. And then I walked away and I was like, yes, I know. Thank you. So I wrote a book with like 15, 20 minutes of day. And honestly, I'd be running in the morning because that's one of my like moving your body and getting outside. And like, that's why I love about children is that like Mm -hmm. they force you to go outside and we need to connect back to ourselves. Um, So in, in my runs, I would like sprint home and I would think of like the next chapter and then I would like sprint home and get it down on the computer as fast as I could. So a mind dump and then going back and editing and 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 putting it into thoughts and not even just putting it into thoughts but how can this help someone how can they connect and what can they take away from this um and i didn't know if it would work and it's still a very new green book if you think about like first time author first time anything and then i decided to self-publish not knowing what i was doing or how and then 
uh, the Visionary Art Collective in New York, with uh, which an art queen, Victoria J. Fry, founded. Um, they have a book club and they just reviewed it and she broke it down into PowerPoints and then sent me what they did and talked about. And honestly, I just like cried the whole time because oh, so I was amazing. just like, my book is helping other people. And she, she sent me like five oh. messages. She's just like, I can't tell you how much I loved your book. It's oh. like full of notes and underlines. And, and like, I've only just feel like I've scratched the surface. And so it's just like that full circle moment of like, wow. So, you know, telling stories too, there's yeah. a lot of stories in there. So mm-hmm. um, I think all you all you have to do is be yourself, say what you know, and the rest is just like the rest is just it <laughs> working out in the way it's supposed to, you know, you showing up every day, mm-hmm. showing up every day um, and like micro goals in each and every day right. and is a step toward your ultimate goals, really. I loved how I loved how you said that you wrote the book that you really needed to read right then, too. Like, I think yeah. that's a really beautiful way to frame a project like that. That yeah. makes so much sense, you know, like that Honestly, kind of just like makes it make really, it makes it make sense to me, you know? <laughs> it, it was, I needed it so bad. That whole process was extremely mm. therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and then of course I read the audio, which mm. um, I tell a lot of stories about like loss and grief too, um, which I, is is just like really raw and authentic and um my studio manager she's like she's obsessed with audiobooks and she's like always listening to like two at once and 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 like just a book whore yeah (laughs) and she's like i've never actually i was like do you think it's too much that like i was so raw in the book like it's not like your typical audiobook like if my kids were pounding above my head I was like oh you can hear the kids footsteps <laughs> and um she's like no one's done that yet so just uh-huh. wait uh-huh that's so, so interesting yeah you. breaking ground too that's amazing maybe uh, someone's done it that's like not fair to say I think that's not so a cool. lot of people do like are like gonna take a pause and be like oh fuck they're up I gotta go <laughs> um what like what did you have something in particular that you wanted to get out of writing the book? Um, you know, you always hope the product. Okay. This is the thing about me. I'll just, I'm such a doer that I don't think about the long term at all. <laughs> I just do something because I need to get it out. And I guess that's what kind of creative I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just like, I'll figure the rest out later. Interesting. So I reached out to my community to get an editor. I learned about self-publishing from Jeff. Like I just figured it out as I went. I knew nothing about like, in fact, and I talk about it in the book, I had been criticized my whole life and people told me that I was a terrible writer. Um, and there's even an evolution in the book of storytelling Um and, and, and it just became stronger and stronger and stronger throughout. Uh, so it's, it's, you're, we're always learning. And I'm just, just that kind of person who will tell you exactly what's on their mind. And that's what the book is. Um, so, and and in hopes that it helps you too. So I still Mm -hmm. don't know what's going to happen. I stopped looking at book stats because I was like, you're getting a little obsessive. Did you (laughs) read another book? 
No, no, no. Okay, I, so you don't have one. For now, okay. I just have my one. I, I did like a children's book a long time ago and like a, just a few different things, but like nothing substantial. This is like my first Amazon big, big book. And then um, so that was like one thing I did that was a reprieve from from my studio practice. Just one. Mm -hmm. I tried a few different things. Some didn't work. So well, can I ask that's you, okay. have you seen any impact in your overall practice i guess from writing the book like what has happened as a result of that can you yeah the level of connection mm. the who um are paying attention to what i'm doing mm -hmm. uh the level of connection has increased sub substantially because and and my studio uh manager is so great because she's kind of like a life coach at the same time right um, and she also figures out my finances which was a huge obviously she came in after that whole burn. I'm like, I need to like, we need to like spreadsheet this shit because yeah, it needs good. to be organized. Help. That's part of financial planning. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. do a spreadsheet. I right. still don't. So Jenny and I sit there and I stare at her while she spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she said, by the way, when people read your book, they're going to feel like your best friend after and they're going to feel like they know you because they kind of do. She's like, I feel it because she was the first person to read it. And I was like, whatever, Jenny. She's like, and then, bestie. Yeah. So it was, it happened. It, it's happening. I think that's incredible, like, actually. Yes. I mean, yeah. that is a fantastic answer. And I think it's really fascinating. And you didn't expect that really, did you? No, I, uh -huh. like I said, I just kind of like let my fanny hang out in the wind and hope for mm -hmm. the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and look, you were vulnerable and people connected to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's we can't, how it works, I We guess, can't have know? that over um, curated version of ourselves in the world. I never want to make someone feel bad that like mm -hmm. I've got it all together because they mm -hmm. don't. So it was yeah. just an extension of, of that. Um, the next thing that really helped expand my practice and is one thing is in that time, I got really very good at portraiture and I had developed some like techniques. Um, and I had like, again, believing in that, like, if I share this, other people will make art and steal my process, which is ter a terrible place to sit. And, um, but that's, you know, coming out of art school, that's where, that's what it was. So, yeah. um, you know, hoard everything you're doing and never show anyone and then sell your art and, and, and be this great artist in silent contemplation and, uh, pretend <laughs> and put on a suit and pretend, yeah, you know, like I didn't, I, I didn't like that part of it. Yeah. So this was another thing that organically evolved into something way beyond. It's probably the most, I wouldn't call it viral, but viral for me, the most thing that caught on for me mm -hmm. was sharing my process of that I had developed, uh, my photographer and videographer, um, and she's a very big local photographer. Um, she's very talented and she has a very creative daughters and she came, um, she, she knew what I was doing and, and, and we chatted and it was funny. Cause one day I was like, one day we'll do something together. I don't know what it is. And we had this like two hour conversation during the pandemic at night on the phone. And, um, and I had her on the podcast and, she and afterward we were like we'll do something together one day 
it was so weird. Watch your mouth because things come true. Um, <laughs> I hope and so. so, yeah, no, it's so true. I've had so many things that I've said and they've come true. Um, and so Kristen's like, can Ruby come do portraiture with you? She'd love to learn how to do it in your studio. And I don't do private lessons, but I was like, yeah, no. And she's like, let me know what you wanted to. I was like, absolutely not. Just I, I love you all so much. Come on over. We'll do it on Friday. We'll take the whole Friday. My husband's home. He can do whatever with the crazy boys and they can play outside and we'll hang out in the studio, Ruby and, Ruby and I. So that morning came and I messaged Kristen. I said, why don't you come too? Cause I was like, I would hate to trap her like 12 year old daughter. And she like felt like out of place or awkward. I didn't know Ruby that well then, mm -hmm. but like it wasn't awkward at all, but I was just like, just in case. Uh -huh, <laughs> just in case. Uh -huh. um, so Kristen came and what I didn't know is Kristen went to art school and oh. Kristen told me about her experience, how uh, one of the professors had accused her of copying artwork and in her last term and like like not even making her final project. Oh and so it had like led to such, she stopped making art uh -huh. and okay. she became a photographer, uh -huh. which I mean, she's such a great photographer but anyway so i teach them my process and they're like showing me videos and taking pictures and like i was like holy i have a little printout of what kristen made actually because i had a misprint if you can see that's what kristen made on her first session with me oh my goodness and it's like that's her daughter ruby it's fantastic but not ruby lola that's uh -huh. lola. Kristen's also a photographer. So like okay. she takes good pictures and that's the route to every good portrait. Mm -hmm. It's a good photograph. So on Sunday, I was like, we have to capture this now. Have you ever, how much videography have you done? And she's like, not very much. And I'm like, <laughs> I minored in film. I know a little bit. I mean, we were still cutting real film in school. So uh -huh, right. <laughs> I know a little bit about editing and sound and enough that we could make a class and, and you could shoot it on your good camera. And they came over the next weekend. We captured everything. And it was just like, I started sharing everything I knew and like i said not viral but the biggest it's the most viral thing i've ever done um because it was completely authentic organic and magical like it was just so honest like this is what we did this is how you do it this is how much fun we had while doing it this is the girls <laughs> holding like paint and messing up and like uh -huh. i had developed it with my own children so it's uh -huh. it's very approachable for anyone right. to do at any age or artistry level mm -hmm. and like so many have people have taken that one thing like it was just it I'm intrigued. Crazy. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, like it's that just portrait is amazing. I I see all the ones that you show, and they look incredible. Like people, yeah, are it is. You just don't know. Work. Like everyone's turns out, and that's the thing. I don't know what mm -hmm. I was afraid of. Everyone's turns out so completely different. Isn't that the thing? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing about a process like that is that even with a process, people are going to end up somewhere very different. 1000%. Yeah. So I've met so many special people 
through sharing what I know instead of hoarding it is like in layman's terms. Yeah. Um, and I never, and that's one thing coming out of like, you're not allowed to be an educator or a teacher or anything. Like you, if in order to be successful artists, you just have to be an artist. And now I'm embracing that multifaceted um, part of what it can be. And I'm just figuring it out and, it's I'm just kind of going with the flow of it because I don't know I'm expanding my I'm actually launching a ha brand new site because it's I, everything's changed in my practice so much so well, it's this course podcast and right. education and Amazing. and like so much and the book like it's not just I make art by my art right you know? so you have yeah. the you have the the painting as a course that people can do is it like a diy course? yeah i just called it portrait mm -hmm. class nothing uh -huh. crazy i yeah. didn't call it a course even because there were so many courses coming out and like master uh, master class and all that it was like i just right. want to call it portrait class because uh -huh. I, don't, I don't want people to feel intimidated that thing coming back to like mm -hmm. I, I i don't want to be snobby i like i don't want you to experience the way i felt Mm -hmm. experience i want this to be beautiful and magical because that's what creativity is that is mm -hmm. what living a creative life is is it's play and it's it's it should be this like beautiful experience for you so we we just captured that and that's why it's done so well i think yeah. um and now i'm doing a large scale one um sharing that sort of staining uh, process with the raw canvas and and portraiture and and using using a projector and not being ashamed and mm -hmm. and these little tricks that save you time that save you from the frustration and you can focus on the play yeah that's great I, I love your commitment to making these things accessible to everyone and to sort of like breaking down those barriers those the competitiveness and the snobbishness and the, you know, having to keep it all to yourself, because really, I mean, it seems like you've really found that more really is more. And when you share, it just creates so much more. I, that's, it's a beautiful story, honestly. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been a journey. Like I'm still, yeah. um, another, sorry, I won't, I know we both have to go soon. Um, actually, I do have to go soon. I have to pick up Teddy from daycare. <laughs> However, I do want to share how else I expanded because it's not just yes, one thing. Yes, I love to hear. Uh -huh. um, murals. Uh -huh. I expanded into murals. I'm doing a 3,000 square foot mural this summer. Uh -huh. Huge one. It's on truth and reconciliation. So again, that expansiveness and uh, community element um, and not just making art to make art, but how can it help my community and, uh, mm -hmm. who does it stand for? It's a little bit scary. Um, uh, when you talk about racism and separatism, mm -hmm. um, like those are not easy subject matters to come, you know, and work with, uh, in, in public, but it has been the most beautiful experience of my life and Fantastic. our indigenous community and surrounding area, uh, we're building bridges and that's what it's about. Okay. Um, so this is a pillar that will visually represent that oh and it's goodness. called choose love and uh -huh. join hands in truth and reconciliation. And the community actually gets to be a part of it too. I was so. wondering. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
Yeah. So that's uh, murals actually increased uh, if we're talking about like finances mm -hmm. a little bit, because I do like to share those with other creatives so they can think about how they could expand, like what, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I want to try that and maybe it will work. And I've seen this one work for other artists. I just put out my mural course two months ago and I've seen other artists in like uh, a couple cities away from me start to expand their practice by doing it, which is like pretty, you can see how I can see my face in the corner, <laughs> how excited I am for them because that means they're making their community a better place with just like a few things I learned about murals. Cause my first one was 50 feet uh -huh. and, um, Wow. It took me a long time and a lot of materials <laughs> and could have been like spared some time and materials. So I share what I know. And so I see other other artists in, in my first year of adding murals to my practice. I increased my net profit by three hundred ninety four percent. So incredible. Wow. It was a uh -huh. huge, such a huge one. So oh. if any creatives are interested in that, mm -hmm. like it's just like such a great way to get into your community and be seen as a creative right awesome. like yeah um, and oh i've done i've done a lot i founded our local art academy um and that's that's so nice because like i said providing something that i didn't have growing up here and those yeah. opportunities yeah it sounds like you really love to give back to your community and to help other people i mean that's just such a that's such a part of your character that comes through so strongly it's really fantastic yeah, it has been, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty great. Um, I do have to go get Teddy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Teddy. Well, thank you so much. There's such a rich um, conversation and I really appreciate your time. So thank yeah. you, Brandy. Thank so you. Great with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss one. If you're enjoying these conversations, it really helps spread the word when you rate and review a podcast. I'd love you to help me share these inspiring journeys with more people all over the world. If you'd like to get in touch with me or learn more about my work, you can find me at SusanMaddoxStudio.com or on Instagram at SusanMaddoxStudio. Do join us again for more stories of resilience from the creative frontline here on Art Rebound with me, Susan Maddox. Goodbye.